This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll Last week I told you a story about the birth of the Shpoler Zaidi, Reb Aryeh Lev of Shpola, who got a blessing from the Helega Baal Shem Tov. And I mentioned that he was called the Dancing and Singing Rabbi, and that I would tell you the story another time. So I decided now is the time, and here's the story about the Shpoler Zaidi. He was known after the davening on Friday night to dance and sing after the davening, while the Hasidim would stand and sing along with him. They would stand in a circle. And the Rebbe, the Shpoler Zaidi, would dance in circles and jumping up and down and doing flips and somersaults. And it was truly impressive. And one Shabbos, the son of the Magid Mezrich, who of course everybody knows was the successor of the Helegabal Shemtov, and was known as the Malach, the angel, Rebbe Avraham, who, by the way, I have stories about him as well. Rebbe Avraham the Malach, he says to the Shpoler Zaidi, tell me. Where did you learn to dance like that? I've seen people dance, but in your dancing, I can see the unity between heaven and earth, between humans and a Kadosh Baruch Hu that reaches a higher place than I've ever seen in davening. This is not just dancing. What's going on here? And the Shpoler Zaidi says, well, probably you heard the story that I was born with a blessing of the Hele Gabal Shem Tov. So I owe everything to our Rebbe, the Baal Shem Tov. It's thanks to him that I have this blessing that I can dance like this. But Rabbi Avram, he was a great tzaddik. And he said, Rabbi Leib, please, you're not fooling me. I know you got a blessing from the Baal Shem Tov to be born, but that's not where this dancing is coming from. Please, where did you learn to dance like this? You have to tell me. So the Shpoler Zaidi said, fine. For you, Rabbi Avraham, I'll share the story. Years before I became a Rebbe, I was wandering around from town to town, seeing how I could help my fellow Jews. And one day, I came by a certain village, and I was told that there was a Jew who owned an inn and had gotten behind on rent for many years. Because as you know, my sweetest friends, in those days, people would pay the rent once a year. And this Jew owned so much money that the squire was called the Graf, who owned all of the property and was a great anti-Semite. He decided he had no more patience for this Jew, and he was going to throw him into prison. There was nobody to rule over this Graf. So when he said, the Jew goes to prison, that was it. There was no court. There were no judges. There was no appealing. Just makes you appreciate what we have today, my sweetest friends. And so he took the Jew and took him down into a deep, dark dungeon. And there the Jew sat. Once a week, the servants of the Graf would lower a bucket of water and bread And that was all the Jew had to eat the entire week. And he would sit there in the dark, all by himself, with a little bit of bread and water. Once a week, he'd hear the water and bread coming down. And this went on, week in and week out. And the tradition was that when the squire, the Graf's birthday, would come, he would make a huge feast for all of his friends. And the highlight of the feast was to take out whichever Jew he had thrown into the dungeon that year. They would drag him out. And now remember, whichever Jew this was, he'd hardly eaten in an entire year almost. 
Bart's clothes were ragged. He hadn't taken a bath in all that time. He'd lost so much weight and was so weak. They would take him into the middle of the hall. They had a bearskin that they had dried on a wooden dummy. And it had dried in such a way so that when it was put on one of these Jews, it looked exactly like a bear. And so they would take this poor Jew that was in the dungeon for so long, put him in this bearskin, and bring him into the ballroom where all the landlords were drinking and laughing. (laughs) And then they would tell this Jew to dance to whatever music the musicians played. And one of the servants would put an iron chain on the neck of the Jew in the bearskin, exactly like the iron chains that were used for real bears, and guide him during the dancing. Across from the Jew in the bearskin would be one of the other servants, or one of the friends of the squire, and he would dance. And the Jew in the bearskin needed to dance exactly like the servant. The faster the music went, and the faster the dancing partner went, the faster the Jew in the bearskin had to go. But before they started, someone would announce in a loud voice, Listen, bear, if you dance nicely and keep up with your partner, we'll let you go home today. You'll be free to go. But if you dance better than your partner, will give you the opportunity to attack him and beat him up, just like a real bear attacks a cow. But if you don't dance well, your partner will lead you off to the dogs. And everyone know that the squires in those days had big, ferocious dogs. And when they were thrown at a man who was sentenced to death, that was the end of him. So this Jew had three options. He could keep up with the dance partner and go home that night. He could dance better and get his revenge. Or if he didn't dance well enough, that was it for him. And after all the time in the dungeon, just living off of bread and water, this Jew could barely walk straight. And by the time they put the bearskin on him, it was so heavy, he couldn't even stand up straight. No Jew had ever survived this. Every year, the Jew would just collapse from exhaustion, and off to the dogs he went. It was at this point, the Spoiler Zadie, who's telling the story, says, that Eliyahu Navi, Elijah the prophet, came to me. And he said, I'm going to give you a special mission, Rabbi Arialeb. You're going to save this Jew who was thrown into the dungeon. I want you to go to that village and hire yourself out as a malamid in the home of one of the local Jews, a teacher for his children. And there, spend time learning all you can about how to save that poor Jew from the squire's dogs. A few days later, Eliyahu Navi came back to me and he said, Nu, what did you learn? He said, I checked out the grounds and I can get into the dungeon but I can't get out. And how am I supposed to save this Jew? What am I supposed to do? So Eliyahu Navi said, you're going to lower yourself into the dungeon and you're going to pretend like you're him and you're going to replace him in the bearskin. Because of course, you're healthy and you can handle this. And he'll escape from the prison and be able to go back home that night. But the Spoiler's 80 said to Eliyahu Navi, but I don't know the first thing about dancing. I don't even know the names of the dances. I've never danced anything in my life. You want me to outdance one of the squire's friends or servants while wearing a bearskin? How am I supposed to do that? And Eliyahu Navi said to me, I will teach you how to dance. And so, over the next few days, every day I would meet Eliyahu Navi, and every day secretly he would teach me a new dance. He'd teach me the name of the dance, and the dance moves. And it even got to the point that eventually he brought me a bearskin, and I got to practice dancing in a bearskin. And you know, when Eliyahu Navi comes to teach you Torah, can learn the deepest secrets of the Torah. And when Eliyahu Navi comes to teach you how to dance, he's teaching you the deepest secrets of the Torah, but in clothing it in dancing. So I'd learn how to dance from Eliyahu Navi, and then I did some more preparations, 
going back every night and trying to figure out how I can release the Jew from the dungeon. And eventually, I figured out that it's possible to lower myself down into the dungeon with a rope because there was a hole at the top. And even though it would be impossible to climb out, I had a plan. So the night before the birthday party, I went through a hole under the fence into the garden and found the dungeon. And with a rope and iron pegs and a sledgehammer, I was able to slowly lower myself down into the pit. When I finally got there, the Jew was so shocked, he could barely breathe. He's like, who are you? What demon are you? Are you a ghost? What's going on here? And the Shpoler's 80 said, my sweetest friend, you have nothing to worry about. Elijah the prophet sent me here to save you. He said, save me? Now you're stuck in the prison here with me? There's no way out of here. We're both doomed. What a fool you are. Shpoler's 80 says, my friend, don't give up. We know that there's no despair in the world. Ain shum yiush be'olam klal. And he gave the poor Jew a little drop of vodka that he'd brought. And he said to him, you and I will just hold on here and you'll see by tomorrow night, you will be free and you'll go back home. So the Jew was still very confused and the Shpoler's 80 told him, listen, you take my clothes. And the Shpoler's 80 put on the moldy, disgusting, smelling rags that this Jew had. And the Jew dressed up in the Shpoler's 80's clean, beautiful clothes. And the Shpoler's 80 said to him, tomorrow night, when they open the door to the dungeon, I'm going to go out instead of you. And since you're the only prisoner here, there's no reason for them to lock the gate. So you just stay here for a good half hour or so. The gate will be open and you simply walk out of this prison. Go back home and I'll take care of the rest. The next night, late at night, they heard the gate opening and a half drunk servant called out the name of the poor Jew and told him, get out, Moishi, let's go. And the Shpoler's 80 came crawling out on all four limbs with his head down, dressed in the clothes of the poor Jew so that the servant wouldn't be able to recognize him. And he groaned and he stumbled as if he couldn't walk. And immediately the servant threw the bearskin over him and tied it firmly around his body and then put the iron chain around his neck and led him along, whistling a song on the way up the stairs of the dungeon. The night of the party, the poor Jew heard the sound of the squire who had imprisoned him. And he said to the Shpoler's 80, he's there. I'll tell you exactly what he looks like. And the poor Jew described to the Shpoler's 80 exactly what the squire looked like so he would know to take his revenge. And when he was led into the ballroom, all the squires and landowners there, they laughed and clapped. They were so excited. Right away, the Shpoler's 80 realized that the dancing partner was none other than the squire himself, the same person who had imprisoned this poor Jew for all this time. The squire had hated the poor Jew so much that he wanted to be the one who would finish him off and throw him to the dogs. So everyone was quieted down, and a voice announced that everybody should take their places and listen to the sentence which was about to be read out. And then a man came out, dressed from head to toe, in red, like a hangman. And he stepped forward, and he read from a sheet of paper. And he said that if I danced as well as the partner, or better than him, I would be freed and allowed to take my revenge. But if I didn't dance as well as him, I'd be led to the dogs. And he laughed when he said, and they'll teach you how to dance. (laughs) And everybody thought it was so funny, they burst out in laughter. 
When they calmed down, the signal was given to the musicians to start playing the Cossack dance, Hop Cossack. And they started playing. And immediately the squire started dancing and he danced quite well. And then he motioned to me in the bearskin to start dancing across from him. And at first, I didn't want them to know that I knew what I was doing. So I kind of stumbled a bit and everybody laughed. And I had a hard time lifting my legs and arms. And everybody was getting ready to throw me to the dogs. But then the music picked up even more. started dancing a little better and everybody ooed. Wow, this Jew in the bearskin is not so bad. And they were a little concerned because they realized that if I outdanced the squire, I'd be able to beat him up. So the band leader, he stops the band and he says, let's play something else, a mazorka. And it started. <laughs> took me by the hand, and since I knew all the dances, since Eliyahu Navi had taught me, I knew this dance as well, and he twirled me through the steps of the dance, and I sensed that the squire had had a bit to drink before, and he was about to fall, but I knew all my moves, and so I danced better than him, and at some point, between the drinking and the shock that I knew how to dance so well, he spun and fell over, and at once I jumped on him and started choking him and punching him. And everybody got upset, and they're shouting, Stop! Stop! What are you doing? But some of the guests thought it was great, because they knew that these were the rules of the game. If the Jew in the bearskin does better than the person who's dancing with him, gets to take his revenge. And so some were shouting, Finish him off! Finish off the squire! But then two other squires ran up, and they came over to the spoiler's aide, and they said, Please, spare his life. You're free to go now. Go home to your wife and children. Please take our advice. And here's some money. They gave him 10,000 rubles. He said, please spare the squire. So the spoiler's 80, still in the bearskin, he takes the money, looks at the squire, and says to him, serves you right for how you've been treating the Jews. I hope you've learned your lesson. The squire looked up, scared for his life, and he said, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. I promise you, I never imagined that a Jew could dance like that. And not only that, I want you to let me have the inn and not bother me again. The squire says, the inn is yours. You can have it. I will never ask for it again. And since there was witnesses, the Spoiler's 80 decided to go on his way. So now the Spoiler's 80, he ran back to the poor Jew's home, bearskin and all, running as fast as he could, while the other servants in the squire's ballroom tried to help the squire get up from the floor. And as you can imagine, the poor Jew was so happy surrounded by his wife and children, and he sees the bearskin coming into his house, and first he's shocked, <gasps> but then he sees that it's the Spoiler Zadie himself, and he says, Rebbe, I don't know who you are or how you came here, but one thing I do know is that Hashem answers prayers. The whole time I was there in the dungeon, I was begging Hashem, please send me a miracle. Somehow save me from this terrible fate, and never let this happen to another Jew. Please, Hashem, you have to help me. And here, I don't know how it happened but you came and saved me. Just in case the squire came back to cause trouble, the spoiler's 80 took off the bear suit and left it with the poor Jew. And he said to him, just in case the squire ever gives you trouble again, you just remind him of the bearskin that almost finished his life. 
So the Shmuel Zaidi looks at his guest and friend, Rabbi Avram the Malach, and he said, So now you see, my friend, the reason that my dancing can reach such a high place is because Eliyahu Navi taught me how to dance in order to save a fellow Jew. And Rabbi Avram the Malach said, Now I know that your dancing can reach a higher place than my davening. On Purim, and also during other Fabrengans, the Lubavitcher Rebbe would ask the Hasidim to sing the Hop Kasak Nigun, which was also known as the Nigun of the Shpoler Zaidi. said, on a holiday like Purim, where our enemies tried to wipe us out, but did not succeed, those enemies, the Cossacks, they're all gone. But who remains? Us, the Jews. And so we sing their negunim, their melodies, because we are dancing for a joy that Hashem saved us and wiped out our enemies. Remember, my sweetest friends, when you feel like life is getting too hard to handle, sing this nigun and start dancing like crazy, like the Spoiler Zaidi and Bezrat Hashem, God willing, all of those obstacles that feel like they're blocking you will fall away and be replaced with joy. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends, as always. I want to thank the new supporters of this podcast, the Cohen family and their children, Reina, Yoshua, and Levi Yitzchak, of course, their parents, and to Chris Smith, who sends me a contribution every now and then. Thank you very much. And of course, to my two sweet children that still listen to the podcast, Eliana and Levi Yitzchak. And Shuvi, Natan Chaim, or Avigail, who sit on the stairs for them. Thank you so much for your contribution and becoming supporters of the podcast. And thank you everyone for listening and for sharing and for retelling the stories. If you want to become a supporter of this podcast, you know where to go. My website's at HasidicStory.com. Please make sure to share this with somebody who doesn't know about it yet. Believe it or not, there's still people that haven't heard of the Hasidic Story Project, and you can help them by just sharing the link and telling them about the stories. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful Shabbos, and I look forward to our next story together.